Hello everybody, it is the time of year to begin registering for one or two of my slow groups that begin in July. My slow groups are these special groups where I focus on one topic and we deeply unpack it over the course of six months. So these are highly nuanced, deep dive, advanced groups. These are excellent for those of you who have taken my six week course or who just want to focus on one particular topic through a somatic and trauma-informed lens. The two that are opening up in July, or will begin in July, are my embodied parenting group and my embodied nutrition group. The embodied parenting group is just like it sounds, learning how to parent from your body, learning how to ground yourself in your parenting so you're not parenting from a reactive triggered place, but from a much more conscious place so you can actually find joy in your parenting instead of it being a total hellscape, like some of you have told me it is, and I've experienced it myself. The other group is an embodied nutrition group. This has been requested for years. For the past four years after students complete my course, they say, can you please do a course on nutrition and make it longer than six weeks? So finally, I can say, yes, you can, and I can, and I did. It is a six-month unpacking of the intersection between trauma nutrition, and somatics. How do we recover from stress and trauma via food? How do we relate to food as a being and not just some object on the plate? What's the biochemistry of food? Why is it not the best for my blood sugar to have toast, but lentils are just fine if they're both carbohydrates? All of this and more will be unpacked in this six-month group. To register for these groups, please go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and click Groups or you can click the link in the episode details below. Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there. On today's episode, we talk about astrology and the moon as a source of co-regulation and healing. I think of myself as living in lunar time. And I think that that in itself helps me to co-regulate to both the idea of a sense of constancy and that the moon is always there, as well as feeling more safe about change. Because if the moon does anything, the moon is always changing and it makes change okay. Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast. I am your host, Luis Mujica. I was sick and depressed until I discovered that I could make music, and then my whole life transformed because I began learning how to listen more deeply. Listen to life, to the people around me, and to my body. And that's when I realized that the body speaks through sensations, and learning this new language meant relearning my body and mind. I soon healed myself of many chronic conditions and then began teaching others how to do so as well. Holistic Life Navigation combines nutrition, self-inquiry, and somatic experiencing to help you release stress and trauma just by listening to your own body. This podcast serves as a place to share my experiences as well as the experiences of many others who have healed and are healing through unique, unorthodox, and unusual ways. Your time to learn begins now. 
My guest today is Britton LaRue. Britton is an intuitive life coach, a writer, and a teacher. Her work blends astrology with tarot, energy healing, and ritual journeying. She guides clients with deep self-inquiry to initiate empowering change and to deprogram any unhelpful conditioning they may have picked up along the way in hopes to remember their indestructible primal self, as she says. And if you heard that noise, I'm going to do it again. A lovely sound. That's one of her books. One of her... That's how heavy... <laughs> she has. She makes these amazing workbooks called uh, Living the Signs. There's also Moon to Moon and several other ones. And they're they're thick and they're rich and they're, there was so much information. But they walk you through, essentially, self-inquiry through the lens of different astrological signs or planetary elements. Uh, and, and they're so so um, creative and so beautifully. I'm looking at the one right now, Cancer, because my moon is in Cancer. This one says Cancer, the psychic. And it's just great. It goes into boundaries and it goes into feeding your Cancer and it goes into um, the season when Cancer rules. Um, but there's all these really great questions to help you deepen your knowledge of yourself through a specific zodiac. So those of you who love astrology um, really, really will enjoy these workbooks. Um, I wanted to have Britton on because I met her through the Instagram platform where I meet so many amazing people. And we engaged in this little dialogue and email. And one thing she said to me that really spoke true was how she found the moon to be her co-regulator. And I thought, that's so creative and um, true. You know, so do I. And I remember being very young and looking at the stars and looking at the moon and the trees and the sun. And I was, you know, if you follow my work, you know I was very, very viciously bullied for many, many years. Uh, so it was hard for me to find safety in people. I didn't really um, feel relaxed or safe around people, really just besides my mother and my cousin who's really much like a sister. But the earth, I found a lot of safety in. And the earth was my co-regulator. And that's where I would retreat to feel seen and understood and like I belonged. So when Britain said that she uses the moon as her co-regulator and teaches about that, I thought, wow, that's really special. I want to have you on. And as usual, the people that come on my show have some form of trauma they've experienced and through their own pain and um, uh, journey into consciousness of their trauma responses and their coping mechanisms, um, they heal. And as they heal, they create this new way of living that holds them. And then that way of living becomes their art, their practice, the what they get to offer, their service. And so I always love to hear people's stories and how they find their way to offer the healing or teachings they offer. So uh, without further ado, I will let you listen to this lovely interview with Britton LaRue. Thank you, Britton, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Luis. <laughs> you know, when we were emailing back and forth a while ago, um, you said something about the moon as a co-regulator. 
And I, I wanted to start just by you explaining that, and then we'll rewind and talk about your personal journey. Okay, wonderful. Well, um, co-regulator is a word I learned from you. Um, I found your work through your interview with Earthspeak. And um, very early on, you had a post on what a co-regulator is. And I was then thinking about how I co-regulate and how I probably did as a child. And I just kind of let myself go completely with that term because I'd never heard it before. And I love the power of words to just open up new understandings of things that you already knew, but you just didn't really have the structure of a name for something. And, um, and I thought, what is my co-reg- how, what are my co-regulators now? And I was, well, my favorite co-regulator is the moon because mm-hmm. I love to work with the rhythm of the moon as an anchor. I've always used the word anchor, I suppose, for the moon, um, which is a similar concept. Uh, But I definitely live in a kind of uh, lunar-informed time, as many people do. And I think that my relationship to time was an area that um, has been rewritten since I began working with the moon in in a kind of ritualized way and just always knowing what the moon's doing. I I think of myself as living in lunar time. And I think that that in itself helps me to co-regulate to both the idea of a sense of constancy and that the moon is always there as well as feeling more safe about change because if the moon does anything, the moon is always changing and it makes change okay. (laughs) So um, by co-regulating with the moon, it's sort of like I'm um, deepening into a sense of something always watching over me um, and not necessarily needing a human being to do that as much. Um, <laughs> after a history of always leaning on any like nervous system in my environment to help me regulate. Mm-hmm. And then um, also just allowing myself to be in always a kind of evolution or a shift that the moon teaches us and making change more safe that way. Mm. That's so beautiful. I, I think that's where I um, I resonated with your work because the idea of co-regulating with um, non-human forms is something that a lot of people don't necessarily talk about. Um, we talk about forest bathing, of course, and spending time in nature, but mm-hmm. to really understand that the co-regulation piece is your nervous system is literally attuning to that other system. So it could be the galaxy, it could be the stars, it could be the moon, the sun, the you know the plants, the water in the creek. And that was one of my earliest experiences as well as co-regulating with the earth. It felt very safe and easy. So I really, I really loved that. And of course I want to know what, you know, well, do, would you say you have a trauma history? Do you have a trauma journey or do you call it a healing journey? Or what was your wisdom through experience of suffering or pain that led you to the work that you do? Tell us about that. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, I didn't, I didn't um, self-identify with the word trauma until it was suggested about a year and a half ago that I read "The Body Keeps the Score," and that just <laughs> just mm-hmm. blew me away. Um, and I began to understand myself so much, well, so much more compassionately, really, um, because I just 
had thought trauma was a word that was like for people who'd had like something quote unquote worse than me um, happen. But um, I have, you know, my, my relationship to trauma now that I've worked so much in self-healing, I think is there's just many layers of it. There's the, the body relation, there's body trauma from um, being, uh, having one's diet heavily um, policed and um, a lot of like wardrobe um, surveillance and, (laughs) and just from culture, just like, there's just, I really felt that my body was always working against me. And so I, I, I very early on kind of began a, a history of disassociation and early on it was having to do with like food and body, um, not tasting food and then like binging and then not having any memory really almost of doing it, mm-hmm. you know, just like kind of almost blacking out while you binge and just lots of stuff around body and food. And then um, I would say that uh, a big one for me was my dad went to work one day and had a heart attack and didn't come home when I was 16. Mm-hmm. He was 43. And I think that um, that's kind of shifted me into a new period of really living in survival and developing a set of behaviors to help me cope with just trying to survive high school and just get through it and like move on with my life. And Mm -hmm. in a world that suddenly became um, absurd to me because how could something like this happen? You know, my dad was very much the quite calm tree in the house. Um, And so we just were, we lost this person who was very um, grounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, um, and then a couple of years after that, um, I found out right after graduating that the person I'd been with for four years and had lost my virginity to had been very openly cheating on me. And I think that just kind of like pushed me over the edge. And so then I went off to college and um, just was extremely uh, sad. And that showed up. What that looked like was someone who just drank into oblivion basically every day. And, um, just really, really hard on my body. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just didn't really, I just didn't really want to live here. I don't think, um, I'm just trying to work through that, but I loved school and I actually did really well in school because it was my, um, my anchor is just my always my love of learning mm-hmm. and um, my just abilities as a writer and a thinker and a speaker. I just sort of functioned. And, um, and then through my 20s and 30s, I just became a more functioning person who, but who continued to have a lot of disassociation and a lot of um, just inability to take a lot of sensation. Uh, lots of feeling, lots, I, there was like topics and things in my life that I didn't want to, um, talk about or do. I also had rape trauma in college. So there was aspects to my, to myself that I didn't understand. Like I didn't like being touched. Um, had a lot of areas of the body where people couldn't touch me. So, um, when I began to just come to a point of shifting, uh, it's just been a slow kind of peeling away at it all. And I'm completely still in it. <laughs> you know, I, I loved your uh, class so much this fall, releasing trauma, 
learned a lot of new skills there. And um, yeah, it just keeps revealing, but I also keep feeling better. So I trust the process and um, I hope that that kind of answers the question or gives a background of some of the layers that I've worked with in myself. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I think, um, like you were saying, a lot of people think when they hear the word trauma, it's reserved for very specific life-threatening, larger-than-life events and experiences. And unless yes. you've been through war, you know, you don't think you're allowed to, um, I don't even say identify with it, but experience it. And yes. so for you, you know, you're talking about these traumas and for everyone listening, you know, trauma again, trauma is just the way the body responds to an overwhelming event. So it has nothing to do with the event. It's all about the body's response. And so you had these specific situations with your physical body where things felt unsafe or overwhelming, like being looked at, food monitoring, sexual assault. And then you lost a major co-regulator, your father. You said he was like the, the root, the tree, the calm tree in that family. So you lost these thing, that, that big piece. And then you lost your partner of four years from you know the affair, which is another co-regulator. So that's going to push you over, of course, and not let the body feel safe. Yes. I mean, <sighs> uh, you know, in many ways, like alcohol became my co-regulator. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. Um, and because it felt like a, a friend that I could count on to bring <laughs> the same <laughs> results every time. That's right. <laughs> laughing but like I hadn't really phrased it that way in my mind before um that's pretty spot on I mean that's the you know substance any kind of substance abuse is we use it to regulate so it becomes your regulator absolutely and how did you get sober then what what was that process like for you to go from drinking well it's just been um I think really in the self-healing process of the last few years is when that began to shift I would you like me to begin talking about my, the transition into self-healing? <laughs> yeah, I would love to hear about that. So, um, well, I, I moved. And so that helped. I moved to Hawaii, actually. So mm. I had this opportunity, like people do when they move, to um, reconceive of themselves a little bit, be more open to trying new things. And I was very attuned to people coming in as teachers and these two different women who I admired a lot, like in a big sister way, they both separately suggested I take classes with this um, woman who taught quote unquote intuitive healing. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what that was, but I ended up in the class and the very first lesson was how to do something called grounding and never heard, had never heard of grounding before in my life. And just that one tool alone was huge for me. I mean, it is on a daily basis uh, all the time. But this idea of um, reconnecting in the present moment to the ground beneath you was just huge for me. It also showed me how ungrounded I was. Um, I became very aware of my tendency to kind of like want to hide up in the upper parts of my body energetically and stay away from groundedness. And that process of just paying attention to my relationship to the ground beneath me and my relationship to the earth um, and my own like energetic bond with the earth began just a process of taking care of myself. And then, and with that came, I just started to notice that 
all my various habits started to shift and like that desire to um, basically get lost in alcohol began to just diminish kind of on its own. I, I kind of hesitate to say that because um, for some people it requires like a stark stopping but I will say that the process of just getting better and hearing myself and just like, what do I, what am I doing if I'm reaching, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, the noticing, the, the act of noticing has shifted so many of my habitual unconscious behaviors. That I think that's so down. beautiful. <laughs> well, it's like so much happens there because when you're noticing and when you're conscious, like you said, you're, you're no longer unconscious. So you're noticing the behavior, you're feeling it, you're maybe learning and inquiring what motivates it or what emotion is driving it. But even more so when you have that presence, like when you said updating to the ground below you, mm-hmm. it's, it's like that word being conscious and being updated. It pulls you out of the past trauma experiences, yeah. right? And you're in this beautiful luscious presence where nothing wrong is really occurring there's no future there's no past and we don't need anything to regulate us there because we're just naturally regulated by the elements so i think that's um that's some of the magic right that occurs when you become conscious and grounded yes exactly and um and as i learned astrology the moon like separate from the moon that you work with the moon as uh, concept or a principle astrologically does include because it's our emotional body and our unconscious self our habitual behaviors the rhythm of our habitual behaviors and so uh, the moon became um what i was most interested in talking about in astrology or in teaching and writing about which what do you have to say if you're not working on it in yourself right so mm-hmm. yeah. So it like what I like to teach about working with the moon in a, in a kind of emotional body way and about habitual patterns way came from this, this idea of like, that was, that was the pattern that I wired for very good reasons. Like my younger self had very good reasons for these habits and patterns and limiting self beliefs and narratives about how things work and all of that. Mm-hmm. And but through that um, coming back to the present moment and just asking myself, like, what, you know, what do I think that that um, this habitual behavior is going to give me to help me cope with just getting really present with it all helped mm-hmm. to just dissolve a lot of the charge around why I wanted to do it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I love that. So to what is the work that you do? Explain to us how you work with, I know you work with individuals, you lead classes and courses, you have these amazing workbooks. Tell us, tell us about the work itself and how it applies to trauma and healing. Yes. So I found astrology after I was already doing lunar work um, and I was already well into my training in intuitive healing. and. So what I, I just began to layer what I was learning about the signs and about my own chart to my lunar work. So if it's a new moon in Sagittarius, whether or not I have planets in Sagittarius, I'm going to consider the house where I have Sagittarius as a field of experience that I would like to deepen my growth in, that I want to expand into, and I want to identify any ways that I might limit myself or create a narrative from a place of bias 
all kinds of things. And, um, and then really deepen into Sagittarius thinking about like, what is the essence of Sagittarius and what is its spectrum of skillful to not skillful kind of like behaviors or mm-hmm. um, ways of seeing the world and just completely walk into that for a whole lunar cycle. Um, and so then I began over time to think, kind of see how different teachings or different modes of self-healing can be um, expressed through the language of a sign and its ruling planets and the tarot cards associated with that sign. So I began teaching a class on a sign, started with Pisces because that's my um, my major sign because I have my sun there and my Mercury and my Venus. And I kind of did this 360 look at Pisces through the ruling planet and what they can teach us. Um, we, we looked at the tarot cards associated with Pisces. And I really wanted to think about dissociation um, as a major one for Pisces as an area uh, for healing. Um, and like ways we can go unskillfully Neptunian, because that's a huge part of my own history. Neptune being the modern ruler of Pisces. And um, that went that went so well that I started to conceive of other classes and workshops where we looked through the lens of a sign to these different ways of uh, opening doors to ourself mm-hmm. and um, considering self healing uh, through the lens of that sign. And then that just naturally, eventually led to wanting to create a written text that had that. And so one of my clients and students um, is, was, is, was a designer. And she had said, have you ever thought about turning this into a workbook? Which to me is so fantastic because I have a daily journal practice. I've had it for many years now since this began for me. And I self-inquiry like you is for me extremely important. And I wanted to then create workbooks that included like didactic text, teaching text with self-increate, with suggested activities, tarot prompts, with lunar rituals, so that people could actually go into more embodied place of knowing um, how to work with that sign wisdom as opposed to it just being intellectual exercise. Hmm. I love that. I mean, it sounds like shadow work, you know, through yeah. <laughs> but but through the lens of astrology, like you said, because if you're if you're rotating through the zodiac. And you're you're using one of the each twelve. I'm assuming throughout the year, as you're working with the moon cycles, especially, um, you're you're gaining understanding of a specific aspect of yourself, right? So you're seeing yourself through Sagittarius, and you're working with that part. Yes. And you're going, what Scorpio's next? Is that right? Or what's after Sag Capricorn? Capricorn yes. Right, then Capricorn, and then we just like moving through. So, I, so that's, that's really beautiful. I'm curious, how how do you like for people listening who think, hmm, I like this idea of, you know, healing through the lens of astrology. I like the idea of coagulating to the moon. You were saying about moon rituals. Mm-hmm. What, where do you begin? Like you've never done this before. How do you start yeah. using the moon as, um, as a coagulator or as a guide to do your own personal ritual work? Even outside of the workbooks, just kind of like human yeah. to moon. Yes, it's fairly Googleable to get information about when a new moon is and when a full moon is or different the different phases of the moon and um, so you can begin by just putting it in your calendar to make space for yourself. I like to use the word container for rituals 
Um, the idea of a closed container means that you have a set beginning and a set ending of time and energy for yourself that is uninterrupted. And that in itself is sort of radical because we so rarely give ourselves uninterrupted closed containers. And if you have self-trust breaches in your past, keeping a closed container is a very simple way to show up for yourself. And if you do it regularly, you begin to teach yourself that you can do that. <laughs> it sounds simple, but to me, it's very, uh, very powerful. The act of just learning to create a regular closed container. Yeah, so I agree. I, <laughs> okay. So um, I would say that to begin, you could begin with uh, a new moon ritual closed container where you sit in a place in your house that feels safe or in somewhere in nature that feels safe and create a closed container, learn something about the sign the new moon is in, or don't even worry about the astrology component. You could also just think of the new moon as a blank slate to begin something, to begin again. Um, it's like, a, to me, a new moon is a fresh beginning where all possibilities exist for change that's empowering and pleasurable and nourishing for us. And so at the new moon, then I like to take some quiet space to be with myself and deepen into like, what is the beautiful, beautiful essence of that sign wisdom, or maybe the beautiful essence of just possibilities. Mm. If you don't want to work with astrology and, um, listen, ask yourself like what you would like to invite into your life and then let that desire that you name, because naming desires is I think really important practice for self-healing, um, getting more comfortable of naming what you want, naming the desire that you would like to grow in or receive or learn in for a month's time and commit and then follow it through so that on the the uh, swelling of the moon to the full moon is sort of like the ripening of everything that that desire will mean for you and what you want. And then on the back end, I like to uh, make space and time to reflect on how that went and also do some honest accounting for like where I bumped into myself or where habitual patterns or limiting self-beliefs may have gotten in the way of like the full receipt or the full um, flowering of something that I wanted to bring in. And that's how I follow it then for the whole cycle with mm. the last part being just as important to me. I love that. I, I think what I like about that is um, for those listening, even someone that starts like a new supplement or starts um, a new exercise regimen or starts a new kind of therapy, or if they're going to do a ritual, just like you laid out, I, I always tell people to do things for a moon phase anyway, because you have these like 28 days essentially, right? Like these four weeks of, of slowly going into parts of yourself and your body, even if it's like a, you know, new nutrition or um, you move into a new house or there's some, something you want to, um, you're building a website. I mean, anything. I think when you do it through a phase of a moon with intention, like you're saying, you get to learn all these little pieces of it and they get to settle and come up and settle and come up. And I think I wanted your input on something around uh, the moon and the feminine in particular, because I was listening to um, he, his piece passed now, but he was um, a native American activist named Russell means. He was from the Lakota 
uh, tribe. And he was saying something along the lines of um, the creator, the the creator chose women to be the only creatures that get purified by the moon. Like the moon purifies them. I thought it was so beautiful. And I was just thinking about how true that is, how, you know, the body of a woman is so connected to the moon and, um, and, and the purification ritual that happens in her own body through uh, bleeding and shedding and birthing and renewing. Men don't have that naturally. You know, we, we don't have like an external uh, planet or element that is um, influencing how our body feels and moves and is being shaped. And so I was just thinking for people listening, when you think about the moon with the, the divine feminine, I'm just curious, you know, just to freestyle, what your thoughts are on that? What's your, what's your experience with that? What does that mean to you when I say that? I hear you, but I also know that the moon pulls on the ocean and it pulls on all of our waters so I don't think it is exclusive to women. I um, would invite anyone to be open to the idea of experimenting with the moon's pull on them. Um, and that as you are made of water, you are also um, guided by and influence is kind of a strong word, but uh you can be shepherded by or um, in some way supported by the moon's literal pull. Um, Mm. And uh, so I don't, I tend to be really exclusive, you know, with tarot cards, I speak to them being all cards being all parts of us. Um, And I, I do I do hear you about the moon being related to the feminine. Absolutely. At the same time, I have dear students who work with the moon who do not have a uterus. <laughs> and they, I think, have been some of my most wise uh, friends in this journey. So that's, I guess, my, my natural response. I think that's a really good answer because that's that's my experience, you know, is is I'm feeling the moon pull on me. Um, very often, you know, when there's a full moon, I feel the it's almost like an electricity in my body from the moon, and that's a beautiful experience. And I think there's um there is a concept about moon being feminine and yes. sun being man. And I understand the concepts and the yin and the yang and what it does to the body and the mind. I, I, I appreciate all those things. But I do find that there is this um, kind of overarching androgyny where everything exists in that way together. So I, I appreciate that answer. And it's beautiful. Yes. I, uh, in my intuitive healing work, I, have, I learned to be in conversation with my uh, masculine energy and my feminine energy. And... Um, that has been so healing for me to, uh, be able to just tune into each one and ask them what they want and how they want to work together. And I think that also helped me, um, see everything as having both and that there's something, yes, so beautiful about that androgyny. Um, and I, 
I think healing my own inner masculine has been some of the most powerful work that I've uh, ever done with myself. Uh, as an Aries rising too, um, that has been very, very, very helpful and helping me with my direction in life, which to me, rising science speaks a lot to that. Um, just like, yep, you you have a lot of Aries in you and you gotta really own that. <laughs> Walk right into that Aries. What do, where, how can we heal in this Aries energy, which is our very much related to our inner masculine. I love that. So if anyone wants to do your work or yep. use your workbooks or how do they find you? How do they do that? My workbooks are, are you can get through my website at brittonlarue.com. And then uh, I also sell them on Etsy because I had a growing, growing um, number of people asking for international shipping and Etsy makes that really easy. So Britton LaRue Books is my shop. And then you can book readings through me at my website. And if you're on my newsletter or at my Instagram at Britton LaRue, you can find out if I'm doing a class or um, anything. Like I do a, an in, uh, setting intentions workbook every year with the archetypes of astrology called Seeding the Year, where I use plant, plant metaphor because um, I think plant metaphor works really well with planet metaphor and putting those together to help uh, seed a year, so to speak, and then tend it. Um, so I have other workbooks too, as well as my like flagship, so to speak, workbook, Moon to Moon. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. My question for you is, where do you feel the episode? Take a breath and just notice. What's your body doing right now? Sit with it. Let it speak to you. And let whatever comes up, come up. And your only job is to listen. For all the wisdom you need is right inside of you. For more information on my work, including my online courses and healing circles, please visit holisticlifenavigation.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook, where I share weekly philosophies and resources to help you release stress and trauma from your body so that you can live a happier life. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you next time. Did you know your food cravings are actually a doorway to your subconscious? They are. We tend to see cravings as something bad or something we just give in to mindlessly. But when you embody your cravings, you're able to notice they're just blossoming from a certain place that has a certain need and needs your attention. Join me on Wednesday, May 29th, as I unpack this in a new webinar called Cravings Destigmatized. In this webinar, I'll help you learn the difference between a nutritional craving and an emotional craving, as well as how do we use cravings to get in touch with our unmet needs and any of our unconscious, unprocessed emotional experiences. It begins at 4 p.m. Eastern, and everyone who registers will get a replay. You can find the link in the episode details, and you can also go to www.holisticlifenavigation.com and click on events, and the information is right there. Hope to see you there.